0: What does Ayurveda have to do with your menstrual cycle and your overall wellness? Well, the short answer is a lot. In today's episode, I bring on my dear friend, Gemma Lee, a menstrual cycle coach and Ayurvedic coach to talk about how these two worlds intertwine and what you can start doing right now based on your cycle. Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health and menstruation. Let's get started. Hey gorgeous friends, welcome back to the podcast. I got to bring on my lovely friend Gemma Lee all the way from the land down under, (laughs) AKA Australia, to talk about all things Ayurveda and the menstrual cycle on this week's episode. Gemma is so much fun. You're going to fall in love with her in this episode. And if you're not familiar with her, she is a menstrual cycle expert, a qualified Ayurvedic coach, and the creator of Wellsome. And for the last 13 years, she's helped women in over 22 countries embrace their monthly cycles and deepen body awareness through personalized coaching, online courses, retreats, workshops, all the things. Gemma's approach is so refreshing because she says things as they are. She doesn't sugarcoat anything and she has a great perspective in weaving together different pieces of the wellness journey into the umbrella of cyclical wisdom. So in this episode, for example, she talks about Ayurveda, but not in the traditional sense of you are a vata or you are a pitta or you are forever in this box of your dosha. Instead, she brings such unique awareness into how this applies to cyclical beings and how as cyclical beings we may move through different doshas even in a day-by-day basis. You're gonna love this episode so let's just jump right in. Hello my lovely Gemma, how are you today? I am fantastic, thank you
1: so much for having me on the show.
0: Oh, it's my honor. We just chatted for like 45 minutes (laughs) just because we needed a a quick catch up. Uh, I love talking to you. You are such a wealth of wisdom in the cyclical space and I just adore you and I want to come to Australia and see you.
1: I want you to come down under when the time is available and we can do that around the world and travel and all all those other wonderful things.
0: Yep. All the fun things we have to think about now. So Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Well, for anyone that doesn't follow you, you have one of the biggest, I think, accounts in terms of cycle wellness and tools and support. Um, you have an amazing account on Instagram. And there's a few things that you talk about that I think really make you stand out in the cycle space. You connect a lot of cool dots among different wellness pieces. Um, one thing you talk about sometimes is Ayurveda and how that pieces into women's cycles How did you begin to connect these two things, and what do they really have in common?
1: Oh, this is such a juicy question to open up with. Where (laughs) will I begin? Um, I I love this because for me, I I feel a bit old school. A lot of people tell me, "Oh, you've got such an old soul." Mm -hmm. And when it comes to cycle stuff, I grew up as a as a, a born woman who really wanted to be a boy in the sense that I liked being a tomboy. I liked you know, doing the boy things and I didn't want to get boobs and I wasn't really a fan of getting my period. Um, mm-hmm. I was tomboyish because I have, you know, two brothers and there was three of us in four years, you know, so we're all very close in age and I just did all the stuff the boys did. You know, I had GI Joes. I didn't have Barbie dolls. <laughs> and um, it's interesting because as I, I guess, became a woman and I started progressing through being a lady, I was on the contraceptive pill, came off the pill and was diagnosed with PCOS. Now, at that time, I was already studying a lot about health. So my background in nutrition started, God, like 16, 17 years ago. I feel really old when I say that, by the way. I was like, oh, my God, that's like how long people are at school for, if not, if not even more. Um, is I worked for seven years as a food, a food science formulator in nutritional manufacturing. And I always had this passion for health. But then I really went through my own journey of learning about ancestral health and how did they used to do this before we did this, how we do today. And that came about because I had leaky gut. And so I healed the leaky gut through ancestral health. I studied ancestral health. I studied, um, you know, medical intuition. I studied the chakras and I started practicing yoga. And these are all elements of Ayurveda. And if those who are listening have no idea what is this Ayurvedic word, it means life sciences. Um, and I like to refer to Ayurveda as Indian medicine. We all very much around the world understand Chinese medicine, whereas Ayurveda can be a little bit confusing. And I just call this the Indian medicine. It's the way the Indians would do it. And this mm-hmm. is in India, not um, American Indians. <laughs> and so yeah. when it comes to um, Indian medicine, It's very similar to Eastern medicine in Chinese medicine because it is from the East, but it's all about listening to the body in a dynamic way. And so how did Ayurveda and cyclical awareness kind of come together? I was basically learning about this and studying it and I'd been involved in different aspects of Ayurveda when I decided or just sorry didn't decide I had PCOS I discovered that I had PCOS I didn't decide I'm gonna have PCOS today (laughs) um that would be a silly decision um but yeah so when I did find out that I had PCOS and came off that contraceptive pill after 12 years I just really applied Ayurvedic philosophies and theories and that just kind of kept me studying Ayurveda and I became an Ayurvedic coach and then studied Ayurvedic psychology and so There's so much we can learn from nature and from history of the body that we don't really use today that I think we could use. And so I like to take those theories and those philosophies and apply them to women's health through understanding your menstrual cycle.
0: Oh, this is so fascinating to me. I've never really connected these two. You know, I think a lot of people have a basic understanding of Ayurveda, some understanding of their cycle, but you're bridging some worlds together right now that i'm like whoa okay so I have, I have a lot of questions hit me <laughs> okay hit me so with with ayurveda you know they tend to funnel it down into doshas right like your yes. unique type so yep. what do those types have to do with our unique you know connection to our cycle Ooh, or how our imbalances manifest or like just give me the deep dive mm, okay cool so let's talk about doshas first because
1: we live in a world where we lack labels we like, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a vegan, I'm paleo, I'm a Wim Hof person, I'm a, you know, whatever it is. We like we like labels and there's nothing wrong with that. But what if we didn't have a label and every day we felt differently or if every day we had a different label? And so in Ayurveda, when we look at the doshas, people today specifically in the West like to be like, well, I'm a vada or I'm a pitta or I'm a kapha. And they're the three dosha types. So if someone is listening to this and has never heard what these are before, I'm not talking about pitta bread, I'm talking about like qualities in a person. And so we have vata, pitta and kapha. Now, interestingly, and I love teaching on this, is so many of us are like, well, I'm a vata because I have a lean body and you know, I get anxious quick, like quickly or easily. Sometimes I can be really you know, confused in my mind I'm, it's hard for me to make decisions and I get cold really easily.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: they are signs of a Vada. But we what we don't understand is that we have different dosha balances in the body, not just a dosha balance. And so a lot of people think you're a Vada. And I'm like, are you a Vada mind, a Vada heart, a Vada body, or a Vada digestion system?
0: Mm-hmm. They're like,
1: what? I'm like, well, you can be a kapha. Um, what's a good example? You can have a kapha body, like a dominant kapha body, but your heart might be kapha vada and then your mind might be vada pitta and your digestive system might be pitta and people are like but i just want to know how do i eat do i eat for a vada or do i eat for a pitta and the thing is you don't need for any of them you just eat for your own body <laughs> so mm. when it comes to the doshas and how that they work with the body is it's really important to just don't label yourself with the dosha like just start just with that just remove the labels mm. and just listen to your body
0: but this there's is a refreshing f- i already like this okay cool
1: Because I know before I really learned about and I started like the first time I saw an Ayurvedic shaman, an Ayurvedic doctor was in 2011 or 2012. So this was like 10 years ago. God, I feel old when I say these things. I'm not that old. I just feel like I've been doing it for a very long time. And um, yeah, it's it kind of I was just intrigued, you know, when you just got this interest and like, oh, my God, I want to know more. And How do they do this? And how does this work? With the doshas, at the time I was like, well, I'm a vada. And traditionally I am. I'm six foot tall. I'm generally a lean person. I'm always cold. It can be the middle of summer and it can be literally like 100 degrees Fahrenheit and like 35 degrees Celsius, which is much the same, and I will still be cold. (laughs) You know, I still don't like being in the shade. I want to be in the sun. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like the lizard, you know, like being in the sun or the snake. My partner says, you've got such a cold heart and so yeah because I always like the sun. and when it comes to the doshas I was like well I'm a vada but it turns out that I'm not just a vada I'm also a pitta and I'm also a kapha and we have all three doshas in our body so the question is well as a woman who has three different you could call them personalities or um, I guess unique body types if you have all three of these you might be say 80% or 70% vada 20% 20% Pitta and 10% Kapha, right? So there's always going to be one or two dominant ones, but you are all things. So if we're all things on one day and then every single day of a menstrual cycle is different, because if you think about it, we only bleed 12 to 13 times in a calendar year. It means we only ovulate up to you know 12 to 13 times in a full calendar year. And on average, we menstruate for like 450 days no hang on we have 450 cycles on Mm -hmm. average roughly in our body in our lifetime as a menstrual woman how do we like know what to do (laughs) and how like how do we understand that everything is going to always be different in all those 450 cycles that we might have they are generally going to always look a little slightly different when you apply One, the doshas and understanding how the doshas work and then look at, okay, well, my body's always different. Then we need to look at the day and how the day works and how the day operates. And that's what I prefer to do. So when we look at the doshas, I like to let, let's just scrap what we are and what we can be. And I hope you're like, I haven't lost anybody here because (laughs) when we look at the doshas, we have a different timing scale throughout the day. So they have the doshas during the daylight and the doshas during the moonlight. And there is specific hours of the day that highlight the doshas. Hmm. Now, which is like so fascinating. So yeah. we go from six till 10 is um, vada time and then 10 till two is Pitta time and then two till six is Kapha time. Hang on, did I get that right? I think I got that right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, We can go, okay, how can I live in accordance to my doshas if we really want to be connected with Ayurveda? And I think as a woman, knowing that Ayurveda was generally created by man Mm -hmm. and there's no scriptures that say that women created because back then women didn't write scriptures. It was males who, who were the writers, not women. So it's very hard for us to look into history, to look at the history of menstruation and, you know, documentation of menstruation because women didn't write, men wrote. So we understand that mostly it was males who created the, like the dosha profiling and their bodies are different to a woman's body. So how do we apply the dosha profiling to a woman? Does that make sense?
0: Yes, totally. This this actually makes more sense than I would have thought it would because like you said, so many things are set up for male biology. They're very rigid. They're very structured. They're like, yeah, if you're a vata, you're a vata for life. You don't change d- doshas. Mm-hmm. And you're adding in this flexibility that that is our biology as cyclical beings so oh girl this mm-hmm. is speaking mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. thank you and
1: it really it makes sense and it's a lot of the times when I do work with clients or inside the well Woman academy that I teach it's it's like a homecoming it's like they're mm-hmm. coming back into their body and they're like oh my god I'm, it's like I'm learning stuff that I've already known but I just didn't yes. know that I knew it
0: Yes, we're just remembering.
1: Yes, it is a remembering. And it's interesting because the one thing I love about aromatherapy is it's all about flow and allowing. Nothing is static and nothing is the same. So if you think about that in terms of a menstrual cycle, one of the greatest things our cycle can teach us is allowing and just surrendering. And every day is going to be slightly different. And we might have a different hormone balance. We might have a different nutritional need. We might have a different physical Desire, we might have different libido, we might have different moods or emotions. And knowing that every day we're moving like the ocean is always moving, we can apply Ayurvedic theories and philosophies in allowing, because in Ayurveda, they teach you that you are never the static or the same, you're always in motion. And one of the greatest, um, I guess, teachings that I love in Ayurveda, and I think it's one of the greatest is they have these 10 qualities, these Mahagunas. And when we look at these Mahagunas and the, and the qualities, it's like opposites balance and opposites, um, you know, yeah, opposites balance, but they also create stability in someone's life. So if you feel too cloudy in your head, you need to gain more clarity. If you feel too cold in your body, you need to add more heat. If you feel too Thick, you need to add thinness. So, maybe don't eat thick foods or hard to digest foods, eat thinner foods, which is more like liquidy style foods. And it's the same with movement. We can either be static or we can be mobile. And one of the greatest things about these balancing um, qualities and Ayurveda is it's all about mobility. And that's not movement through your body, but it's mobility in allowing yourself to flow through your day. So if you're like, oh, well, I had this planned for dinner tonight, and this is what's going to serve me on day 22 of my menstrual cycle. And then all of a sudden, something else happens in the day, and that aggravates your mind. And therefore, because your mind's aggravated, your di- digestive system is aggravated. It's about allowing flow to change and pivot what your meal plan was for dinner. Hmm. Does that make sense?
0: totally i feel like i'm like
1: losing people who are listening to this to me it makes total sense but i'm like painting the picture properly because normally i like to use my hands
0: (laughs) everyone listening though is so intrigued by their cycle they're like they're eating this up they're they're in it Mm -hmm. so i guess just to make it more practical for people you had mentioned you know we move through these different doshas throughout the day even so in and kind of how our bodies are shifting on a minute by minute even basis practically how can we use that to our benefit
1: yeah exactly how can we use that to our benefit and one of the and you would see this in your own clients and not like we have I guess you could say simmer clientele and they all want to work on their menstrual cycle mm-hmm. is that one of the most important things is connecting with your cycle and cycle tracking would you mm-hmm. agree oh yeah it's like step it's like, one it's like the foundation like if, you, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you don't have time for doing that then just I'm sorry I can't help you it's right. kind of like right. You know, telling people that cleaning your teeth is really healthy for your the longevity of your teeth health, and then they don't want to do that. You're like, well, your teeth might fall out. (laughs) You know, so with cycle tracking, it's like the foundation, and it's about bringing awareness. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing to see anything. But when you do track your cycle, it kind of allows you to see what your body requires, desires, wants, and needs on different days. And once you've got a good foundation of that, and I always recommend in my practice, like from what you need minimum three cycles of tracking to be able to kind of see it out in front of you. And then we can be like, cool, how can we apply more flow to this? And one of the best teachings that I love about Ayurveda is how they use nature. And I learned this, I studied ancestral health, which is how our ancestors used to um, heal, treat um, and diagnose diseasement in the body and support their body through that back into balance. So I studied that first and then I went into Ayurveda and I was like, everything, not everything, but a lot of the things I was learning in Ayurveda, they covered in ancestral health. And so these are from two different aspects of the world, like locations, but they have such a similar representation. I was like, so really nature always had it right and we're the ones getting it wrong. Yes. (laughs) So how can we go back to nature? And so one of the things that I love about my teachings, without, you know, being a bit egotistical, is that everything relates to nature. And I like drawing it all back to, okay, well, what could we learn from nature with that question that you're struggling with your body? And to give an example of what that means and how, how we can learn from that is I love this analogy that I created about trees and wind, is that often when people are have a challenge in their health, and it could be anything, it could be a migraine, it could be a shoulder pain, it could be, oh, digestive challenges, bloating, it could be period pain or fertility. It could be anything, literally. Is that have you ever seen a tree fight against the wind?
0: You know, like time. like
1: the tree, like, pushing itself, like, you won't blow me over. <laughs> you can't do this. Just stop it. Right. Like trees Nature's don't do that. Yeah. Exactly. So when your body is talking to you and blowing on you, it's blowing on you the the wind of um, challenge the wind of migraine the wind of period pain the wind of digestion bloating the wind of cramping the wind of back pain whatever it is are you fighting against that and pushing against the wind like are you swimming against the current or are you surrendering and allowing yourself to be like okay 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 i listen i'm listening i'm listening okay what did you say <laughs> um it's one of the greatest things that i love to teach is that nature always has the answer we just have to look to nature for that first
0: hmm. I really like this how you're bringing it back to surrender checking in listening honoring how we're feeling in the moment mm. because probably honestly what you and I teach our clients and our students more than anything is that is how to actually pause long enough to really hear what our own body is telling us to do totally and it's like when I say it out loud, I'm like, is that that revolutionary? But it is. It really is. And it's something that we forget how to do and we almost need someone to teach us how to connect again.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so sometimes we can just be so disconnected with the world because we live in a world that's disconnected. So we become disconnected because everywhere and everything around us is disconnected. Um, and one of the best examples of that is mobile phones. How connected are we with the people around us? How connected are we with how we eat our food? Are we on our phone? Are we on our food? How connected are we when we're driving? Are we distracted?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, How connected are we just in general? And it sounds funny. I have a podcast too called the Well Woman Podcast. Mm -hmm. You've got a podcast and we put podcast episodes out there. But personally, I try to not listen to podcasts because I find them distracting.
0: That's so funny. I I mean, I guess now that you say it, I'm like, I listen to so many podcasts a day, but yeah, they probably are really pulling me out of the present.
1: And it's not like I go through stages, to be honest, you know, where I'm like, oh, I, I'm really wanting some, And it's very cyclical too, but I'm like, oh, I really want some inspiration or <laughs> I, um, you know, I just want to get out of my head. I'm just thinking about stuff that's really frustrating us. And that's a distraction, right? Looking for, for something else to do is that sometimes I just want to cut up my food to cook for dinner and make dinner in the kitchen without music on and without sound and without podcasts. Um, And I don't own a TV. I haven't had a TV for nine years and I don't have a radio. (laughs) I mean, I could play radio through a web browser perhaps, but um, I like sometimes to just be in silence and that is allowing yourself to not be distracted and that's just a small example of distraction. Whereas when we look at the world in general, we're so distracted that we forget how we feel and we're so distracted that we don't realize how we're not connected and how we're not tuning in and how we're not really listening. And it's not until something is more acute or chronic that it's like, oh my God, I just can't move today because my back is so sore. When all week your back has been like, can you please massage Mm -hmm. me? Can we Mm -hmm. stretch? I really want to stand up. I don't want to sit down anymore. And yes. it, that's, are we listening? And that's the, the wind blowing against the tree, you know, the wind of opportunity, the wind of disaster, the wind of challenge. How are we listening to the wind and embracing the wind and supporting ourselves in the wind or are we fighting against it?
0: Exactly. Mm. Very well said. I say that about symptoms and like the check engine light on your car, you know, like if you had the check engine light on for five years, then your car broke down on the freeway. Like, would you be that surprised? Mm -hmm. Or would you be like, I was a little negligent and I never actually took the time to look under the hood and see if everything was okay? Totally. Yeah. Same thing. Hmm. Well, so, okay. To go pop back to the dosha piece Mm -hmm. for a second. Are there specific symptoms that would correlate to certain doshas in terms of like, you know, if we get into burnout and fatigue and exhaustion and a thyroid imbalance, does that have a significance or do they really all connect?
1: They really do all connect, but sometimes there can be specific um, doshas that lead to certain things. So as an example, it's very common that when we have any kind of imbalance in a woman's body and women's health, there's generally some imbalance of vada. Hmm. And when we look at an imbalance of vada, we're looking at, you know, people who are more sensitive. We're looking at people who maybe have trouble sleeping they're not dedicated to a good sleep cycle or they're easily stressed and if you think about it we now have clinical stress cycles in the menstrual cycle like people think they have a menstrual cycle when really they have a stress cycle of the menstrual cycle and that's because we're so impacted by stress but people don't realize that and so that all impacts farther and farther in the modern world that we live in today particularly in the west is one of the first doshas to be out of balance and to kind of give you a bit of an overview of the three doshas so that you understand is when we look at vata pitta and kapha vata is like the wind and the water it's very very air it's like it's very airy so anytime you have wind in your digestive system like gas or bloating that's vata imbalance anytime you have wind in your mind as in like forgetting what you're thinking about mm. or what your to-do list is or making decisions or you know, rushing from job to job or task to task, that's very VADA. And what happens is when that's imbalanced over time that can become anxiousness and then that anxiousness can become anxiety. And anxiety always starts with anxiousness first. No one, you know, has anxiety. We just have lots of moments of anxiousness um, before we maybe get diagnosed with clinical anxiety. But it's all because of the wind in the mind. And so if we can harness that in, we can learn more about where this wind has come from and am I fighting against it or am I allowing it? And so th- this is very Vata. Um, another couple of signs of Vata, and there's so many great books out there. Like I'm not going to dosha profile everything. So if you want to go and research, go and research, but just remember you're not all of, you're not one of these, you're all of them. Because it's so, I see this all the time. Is it like, oh, I did a dosha quiz and the dosha quiz said that I was, I was a kapha and you know, what can I eat for that? And I'm like, oh my God, Okay, was the dosha quiz around your heart and your heart space and your emotions? Was it around how you eat food and your digestive system? Was it around your mind balance? And if you go and see an ayurvedic doctor, uh, an experienced ayurvedic doctor, you know, they can tell you what your dosha imbalance is in all of those areas just by feeling your heart rate in your wrist. Which to wow. me blows my mind. Totally. You're like it's kind of the way I think about it is it's very much like shamanic wisdom you either have it or you don't and that wisdom is often born through generations and so most great Ayurvedic doctors and this isn't all of them there are some great Ayurvedic doctors that don't have this but are generational doctors so they're a doctor their dad was a doctor their dad's dad was a doctor or their mother's their mother was a doctor or their mother's mother was a doctor but it's in the generation it's generational and it's kind of been passed through which I think is so beautiful Anyway, so that's the vada. Let's move to car, um, to pitta. Pitta is the fire element. So it's fiery. Think about it. Anytime, you know, someone breaks out in an imbalance, um, particularly with skin health, I'm like, ooh, pitta. <laughs> so last year I broke out in hives after, you know, going through a bit of a personal traumatic experience and I had them all over my body and I instantly knew the mo- morning that I woke up and they were like visible and I was itchy and mm-hmm. I was like pitta. I have too much fire in my body. My body is irritated. It's on fire and it's on so much fire on the inside. It's coming out on the outside. And so that fieriness can come through in someone's attitude, snappy, angry, rage. It can come through in overworking, you know, that go, 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 go mentality is pitta, but it can also then lead into vada. So pitta is all about fire. Um, whenever we have an imbalance in our digestive system of the pitta, you know, sometimes we can have like diarrhea and like they call it the fiery poo you know because you're burning through stuff quickly Mm -hmm. someone who generally has a pitta um, kind of balance in their digestive system has a fast metabolism you know it's kind of like the fire is always burning all the time and in general most women would have an imbalance in their vata first and most men generally have pitta in their body and if you think about this if you're heterosexual and you go to bed with your partner like i do at night, I'm the one that's freezing cold with a hot water bottle. And I touch it, and I'm like, but you're the better hot water bottle. You're so big and you're just steamy, like I can feel the heat radiating <laughs> off your body. Yes. You know, and I'm like the lizard, like, oh, it's so cold <laughs> in here. <laughs> um, and like there's two great examples of people who eat very similar food, live in the same environment, um, you know, have the same kind of work schedule, you could even say, but at the same time, very different bodies. So that's more of a var. i um, sorry. More more of a pitta. Whereas the kapha is more of a slower dosha. And I find kapha gets a bit of a bad name because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm kapha, I'm overweight, and you know, I'm big boned and I'm really dense and my metabolism's slow. Mm-hmm. But kapha is actually really important. Kapha is grounding. Yeah. If you think of vata and pitta, they're like bang, 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 bang. Whereas kapha is very grounding, and it's not an Ayurvedic teaching as such, and how you know the doshas working with the phases of the cycle but i like to think of um our obviously we have a yin half and a yang half to the menstrual cycle but our period of time is very much like our ovulation it's very much like confidence the estrogen is high we're like yes we can take on the world i want to be social i want to be out there and you want to move your body and hit pbs in the gym and you know run really fast or whatever it is that you do when you like to move your body But that time of the cycle, you're in a summertime, is very much like a pitta time. Whereas when you're menstruating, that can be very kapha vata. So you're very grounded and slow. And I believe autumn, the second half of autumn especially, if that luteal phase is very kapha-like, where it's very about grounding. And if you're not grounded, you become heightened, you're emotional, you're moody, Mm -hmm. you're swingy, and that's the rage of you know, Pita and Vada steaming through when you're in a settling kapha body, as an example. And then that kapha moves through into menstruation and that menstruation time. This is my interpretation of it, by the way. This is, I've never found a book and I've read a lot of Ayurvedic books. I'm just, I'll look at my bookshelf and I've got like probably eight great women's Ayurvedic books and I've never read it specifically in terms of the phases, but having worked with it for so long, this is how I feel it kind of blends in. And in our menstruation time, we're kapha, like vibrating and moving towards vada. And the way I like to think of that, and I'm sure you've had someone else talk about this on on your podcast before, but the rhythms and the cycles that we go through. So we have like the circadian rhythm
0: Mm -hmm. of our sleep
1: cycle. We have a menstrual cycle. We have the tides and the moon cycle. We have the seasonal cycle of the year. These are just cycles are everywhere. This is Mm -hmm. why we are so cyclical. But when it comes to the day, Ayurveda has a cyclical nature with the doshas. So we go vata, pitta, kapha in the day. And then in the evening, we go vata, um, pitta. Sorry, it's actually the wrong way around, Gemma. It's kapha, um, pitta, vata. And then we have um, vata, pitta, kapha. So when we look at that, I'm pretty sure that's the right way it is. I'm losing my mind. I'm talking about so many things. But either, anyway, with those, like the, the doshas move around the day. In our menstrual cycle, the doshas move around the like the cycle. So if you think about it, we know that the four phases of the cycle are very different from each other. Would you agree?
0: Very. I mean, like the seasons, you can't compare winter
1: and summer. You t- totally, you can't. So when when you're looking at that, is um, you understand that okay so every season is different and in Ayurveda we look at different dosha types require different support knowing that we are all doshas that one day we might be more vada one day we might be more kapha one day we might be more pitta and that's totally okay because we're cyclical and we're always ebbing and flowing we're not static we're mobile so in our menstrual cycle, we can see that we are a little bit more for at this time of the cycle, a little bit more pita here and a little bit more mm-hmm. vata there.
0: This is so cool. Like you said, I feel like I've read a number of books on Ayurveda and nobody has said it the way you just said it. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Thank so you. And I think your, it's because I've just been, book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe I will write a book because I haven't read a book yet, <laughs> but maybe I will. Um, but Yeah, it's so interesting and just to confirm it is, it's kapha first during the day. So if people want to like work out exactly what it is, the first part of the day is kapha, that's 6 till 10. Then we have pitta, 10 till 2 and then we have vada, 2 till 6 and then that same thing happens again once we hit dusk, kapha, 6 till 10pm, then we have 10 till 2am which is pitta and then we have 2 till 6 which is vada. And there's specific Mm -hmm. reasons for each of those times of the day, which I teach to one-on-one coaching clients and inside the Well Women Academy. But if you can learn to just allow yourself to flow and you notice, like sometimes you're like, oh my God, I'm so sluggish at this time of the day, but I have so much energy at this time of the day Mm -hmm. and how we hear people say, oh, I'm more productive here or more productive there. Like for you, Cassandra, are you more productive in the morning during the day or evening?
0: Yeah. I'd say like mid morning, like nine, mid-morning. 10, 11 AM. Yeah. I'm like, let's do it. But then like right now, right now it's like 5 PM and I'm like, Oh, I don't want it. <laughs> it's also
1: day two of your cycle. It's day 14 for me. And it's 10, 16 in the morning. So I'm like, you yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yes. and that's because I've just hit pit of time fire mm. action, doing, you know, organization. Yeah. Planning all that stuff. So our menstrual cycle living cyclically is going to change all the time. And so this is just another great example that we are all doshas and from time to time, we might be more of one than the other.
0: This is the coolest thing ever. I'm, I'm <laughs> It's a whole new world. This. Literally, literally here. I was thinking it's all rigid and like it has to be one certain way and no. No. No, it This is it doesn't. so much cooler.
1: This yeah, is so and it's, cooler. it also depends on like something that I will say really transparently. It really depends on where you learn Arabic or who your Ayurvedic teacher is. If um, it's an Ayurvedic teacher from a male's perspective, it is more rigid and planned and structured. Whereas when I've worked with, a, when, anytime I've worked with um, Ayurvedic doctors or even Ayurvedic nurses or Ayurvedic shamans, and my ayurvedic doctor is a third generational ayurvedic doctor and runs a beautiful retreat that wow. I host in India and he, in the future if anyone wants to come on an ayurvedic retreat with me let me know but that won't be happening until covid clears up in the world
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but um it's so interesting because he was one of the ones that really instilled in me that no it's all about flow and it's really about you no know, we are all of these things and this is we can see the body is all of this and Ayurveda, one of the best things about it is it just identifies where your imbalance is, and it just focuses on bringing that imbalance into balance. That's it. It's so okay. Sometimes it's like, well, I need to tongue scrape in the morning, and then I need to dry skin brush, and then I need to, you know, use um, oil in my mouth, and then I need to do my enema, and then I need to have a nice warm um, drink in the day, and then my largest meal needs to be at lunchtime, and then I should have a quiet, calming meal in the evening. Like that can be quite regimented and taking that from an Eastern perspective and placing it into the Western world for someone who maybe has a career or a business or a job or has four kids is, well, how can we take those beautiful ancient theories and philosophies and apply them into a modern world? It's just learning how to do that. It's not impossible. It is possible. It's just learning how to do that in balance for yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. It's funny you just said all that because I was just about to ask. What Ayurvedic principles you do sprinkle into your lifestyle? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> and you just named like them all this. off. So funny, well,
1: there, there is a couple, like I'm not, I'm not really rigid on uh-huh. the, the warm water in the morning and then the biggest meal right. at lunch. It depends, you know, it really depends on where I am in the day. Am I at home? Am I traveling? Am I out for lunch? Am I with friends? So a couple of non-negotiables though, these are non-negotiables Every day I tongue scrape, every day I shit in the morning and I use a poo stool. <laughs> right, this is really important, right? Let's talk about healthy digestion. I know you, this is your jam too. So That was just so blunt. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, this I'm is ready. how we do it. Keep
0: going.
1: Okay, so tongue scrape, check. Rinse your mouth out with water, check. Wash your face with some with some water. I like to use a warm towel on my face and then I like to wash my eyes with cooler water. Um, It's very good for your eyes to kind of wake your eyes up after dreamlike state. And then I shit. Now, some days I don't shit when I want to (laughs) shit. This is going to sound so funny to everybody listening. But, um, you know, exiting your bowels in the morning is really important. And if you think about it, um, just before you wake up, especially if you wake up before six o'clock, which is encouraged, encouraged before the sun. So one of the things in Ayurveda is very much living with the sun. So we rise with the sun and we set with the sun. It's very ancestral too, but we generally have more uh, needs in our life, so we kind of push ourselves to go to bed at 10 o'clock instead of going to bed at 6 or 7, right? So I like to definitely rise with the sun. So that's another Ayurvedic thing that I do is I rise with the sun, but when it comes to digestion and poo is that your digestive system is going from Vata time to Kapha time at 6 a.m. It's got a transition and Vata time is all about elimination, And so I like to eliminate my bowels in Vata time, which is between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. So I'm normally up at like 4.30, maybe 5 Um, o'clock. And my my general practice, sometimes it changes is I wake up, I'll do my my tongue scraping, I'll do my poo, I'll do my face stuff, um, and then I will sit for meditation. And, you know, I do all of that in my Vata-like state. So this is when we're in the mind, very creative, visualizing. Um, we have active dreaming at this time. So for me, that's my favorite time to meditate uh, or I'll meditate later in the afternoon, which I don't generally like to do because it breaks my flow of my day. But um, they're, they're just some really easy things to do. Now, I mentioned dry skin brushing. I generally, one of the, I guess, the biggest things that happens in my life and this blends into menstrual cycle awareness and cyclical health is the temperature of your food. In Ayurveda, they're very good about understanding the temperature of your food and your liquids and your drinks. So for me, I generally don't eat anything cold. So what that means is I I have a smoothie like once a month, as in once a cycle when I'm in my inner summer, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to have a smoothie. Whereas I don't like to have cold things because it dampens my digestive fire. And knowing Mm -hmm. that I've had leaky gut in the past, a gut imbalance, you know, doing that dampens the strength of my digestive system. So I want to have a strong digestive system. So I have good morning poos, right? (laughs) So I make sure that I really allow myself to, you know, continue to have warm meals throughout the day. And I, if I do have something that's from the fridge, I generally take it out, sit it on, you know, the bench in the kitchen for a little bit. Until it kind of gets closer to room temperature, and then I'll eat it. It's also different between outer summer and outer winter. You know, it's winter for me right now, so I definitely don't want cold things. Um, I wanna have more warm tea, like I'm sipping on a tea right now. I wanna make sure mm-hmm. that I've got warm liquid in the morning. So they're probably the biggest things that I do on an Ayurvedic basis, along with moving my body every day. So in Ayurveda, they're very, they love to kind of recommend going for a light walk after you eat so after you've eaten dinner they would say go for a like walk in in the moonlight um, or after you've had breakfast go for a light walk or after after you've had lunch go for a light walk it's very much about movement and allowing your body to move and that helps with digestion it helps with your mind all of that stuff so they're just some really simple things that you everybody can do and so it doesn't mean you have to go for a walk three times a day but You might stretch on the ground. You might put some music on and dance while you clean up after you've had lunch or after you've had dinner. Um, Or you might go to a yoga class or go to the gym or something like that. So there's so many simple things, but I think people get so overwhelmed with it all that it's just about simplicity. Like, what are the Mm -hmm. simple things that I can do that are really going to help me? And if you can do them simply, you'll be able to do them every day. And I didn't put all of these into my life straight up at once i just kept adding little things ongoingly and then over time i was like oh wow i've got all these all these tools and all these actions that have supported me Hmm. can you tell that i could just rant on these topics forever
0: (laughs) yes well when when it's your jam when it's your purpose it should be that way so it's just Mm. very clear that you uh, yeah you're obsessed you love this and I'm like, I want to go to one of your India Ayurveda retreats. Oh my like, God, can
1: you please? I'm going to, as please. soon as we
0: can do this, I'm sending you a personal invite.
1: Girl, I'll be there. It is like, honestly, and I'm hyping it up because we can't go, <laughs> but <laughs> it, hands down the best experience I've ever had for my health. Wow. Ever. Yeah, ever. And I've, I've done a lot and I've done, I've been to a lot of retreats of, yeah, but two week Panchakarma cleanse retreat with you know personalized nurses and daily daily practice in the sense of you get a daily treatment you have a personalized chef that cooks specific for your body and your dosha balance based on that day wow. it's just and they bring you a gown to wear every day a new mumu outfit and you <laughs> it's it's just beautiful and it's all about relaxing and surrendering and in ayurveda something they actually teach is they recommend doing a panchakarma at least once a year
0: hmm.
1: And that's, you know, all about rebalancing the body from the world of toxins that we have. And that's not even like Panchakarma is such an old tradition. So when I'm talking about Western um, modern toxins, I'm talking about the toxins of the mind, the toxins of emotions in your heart, and mm. the toxins of stress on the body in general. Um, plus add in
0: all the other ones that we have today. Hmm, This sounds divine. And like, a, something that's so missing from our culture. Like we don't get any sort of a break, let alone a break where like we're nourished and we're cared for and, you know, we purge negativity and
1: mm-hmm.
0: nothing, nothing close. Totally. Totally. Well, that sounds delicious. So I am there. I'm ready for my moo moo. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Please, please. Um, so when people come to you and they're really intrigued by this conversation around Ayurveda, but they don't necessarily want to follow it in a really rigid way, like the way that I certainly learned about it. Where do you normally guide them to start? Um, first thing I would start with, and
1: it sounds so funny, but track your cycle. Mm hmm. You know, it's so, it has nothing, people are like, but it's got nothing to do with Ayurveda. It actually does. It's about body awareness and presence. And that's what cycle tracking is, especially when I talk about cycle tracking, I'm talking about using a written tracker, which I'm sure you would, you know, condone to that it is such a better practice at self-connection and presence than using an app because apps are very destructive in general. Just using mm-hmm. your phone is destructive, mm-hmm. destructive and destructive and distracting. Um, so you use a written tracker and do so every day, very simple. It's a, it's very easy practice. That's the first thing I would do. Second thing that's so easy to do is tongue scrape. Like you already brush your teeth, just use a tongue scrape. I actually sell them on my website. Um, and it's such an easy thing to do just to scrape your tongue. So that's the second thing. The third thing, um, to integrate is I would like you to start exploring, food and liquids at room temperature. So what that means is no water out of the fridge or out of the cooler machine at work um, or the bubbler that's cold in the whatever building that you're in um, or directly out of the fridge with food. As I'd, I'd like you to just have an awareness of like, wow, I eat a lot of cold foods. Um, I eat a lot of stuff out of the fridge or um, generally my meals are quite cool rather than than heated. And if you look in Ayurveda, they don't really have salad recipes in traditional Ayurvedic, mm-hmm. you know, food. It's cooked and it's warm and it's very promoted for digestion. So they are three really, really simple things. Track your cycle, tongue scrape, and look at the temperature of your food. Um, that alone can be very, very helpful. And then the fourth thing I'll throw in just for fun is move your body every day. Sometimes that means just stretching or going for a super light walk. For me, that means doing the Kali yoga practice. It's a yoga practice that I teach specific for menstruation. Even when I'm bleeding, I still move my body. I just don't exert energy and I don't raise my heart rate, so to speak. I just it's all very opening and relaxing and surrendering. And then number five, to round it off, I would say hmm, an introductory to Ayurveda, I want to talk about poo. I would say just be aware of your poo. <laughs> Study your shit. So, you know what a funny story is I'll actually, um, I said to my partner the other day, I was like, what was your poo like today? He's like, yeah, good. I'm like, yeah, I know it was good. But like, what was it like? Was it was it hard? Was it soft? Like, how does it leave your body? <laughs> He's just like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, come on, we talk about everything. Like, I want to know what your poo's like. Because it's, it's of interest to me to learn about other people's digestive systems for nearly three days straight we ate the same food right so we had the same breakfast lunch and dinner mm-hmm. and snacks we shared the food and I was interested to be like okay how does my digestive system differ to his digestive system based on the same food it's actually a very interesting experiment hmm. anyway he was a bit grossed out by it and he's like look I don't even look at my period I was like well maybe you should start because that's what I teach and um, and he's like okay well I'll, I'll describe it to you I'm like "Or well, you could just you know Take a, he said to me, "Oh, I could just take a photo." I said, "Oh, you could just let me look at it before you flush." And that was a joke for everybody listening. That was a joke, (laughs) but it just goes to show that one thing we can individually do is be the child who's inquisitive about their body. Your shit will tell you a lot about your health. It'll tell you whether you have a fast digestive system, a slow digestive system, whether it's struggling, whether it's in in fight or flight, whether it's in panic, whether it's um, challenged. You can learn a lot about your your body and your health and your poo. You can also learn a lot about your mastication and how well you chew your food in your poo. Yes. <laughs> so the, the last thing I would say would be study your shit because in Ayurveda, they really hone in on the gut health. Whereas in Chinese medicine, they really hone in on liver health and they work really beautifully together. Like I call the gut and the liver like bananas in pajamas, B one and B two. Like they work together. Yes. You know, like best friends and, uh, that's one thing I love about both Eastern ap- approaches to health. But in Ayurveda, it's all about gut health. And so gut health is reflected in your poo. And because I'm not asking you to cut your abdomen apart and look inside into your gut, I just want you to look in your poo or just look at your poo and just and then get to know what it's like. And wow, I actually only go to the toilet once a day or only go every couple of days. That alone can teach you a lot about where you're at in your health.
0: Totally. I like mm. that you talk about poop so much because and I, I really should do a whole podcast on this, but it is one of those things no one talks about. And I can't tell you how often I do meet someone that's like, Oh, I poop once or twice a week. And I'm like, and you're like, what? what? <laughs> like, well, how, how do you feel? And they're like bloated. I'm like, okay. No shit. Literally. Because you have no shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just sounds mm. so uncomfortable, but
1: oh. it really yeah. does. Study your poo people. Peep, study your poop. It's, And I say this on my podcast a lot is that the reason why I talk about on my podcast poo, period, and sex, like they're the three topics we talk about, (laughs) all episodes involve like one of those, or if not all of them or two of them, (laughs) is because we all shit and if we didn't shit we would die, literally we would die. It's kind of like imagine having a house where you never took out the trash or the rubbish depending on where you live in the world.
0: Yeah, well, some people binge those hoarder shows, so like that's what it looks like. (laughs) that's what's going on in your body that's what the
1: justice system is like so poo we all shit and we've been shitting the whole time we've been alive literally from the day you came out you started pooping so we all know about poo periods we all exist because of a period regardless of whether you're a male or a female or however you identify you exist because someone once had a menstrual cycle and because of that menstrual cycle you were conceived Mm -hmm. now the other one is sex without sex you wouldn't be able to be conceived now i know that We can conceive today without sex, but the core essence of it is sex. And so it's such a natural thing. These things, these three things are so natural. Why don't we talk about them? So I love chatting about these topics.
0: But you're, you were just born for this. You were born to talk about (laughs) the things people shy away from. So let's talk about poo. And oh my God, the topics are
1: just great. I love it.
0: Yeah, no, you're so great, Gemma. You are fabulous. Uh, This has been such an amazing conversation. You've blown my mind. I've learned a lot. You're just a wealth of info and you have so many cool things that you pull from to really offer such a comprehensive approach to cyclical health. So where can everybody find you, my dear? Um, If you would love to learn more about
1: me, I hang out on Instagram too, just like yourself. Um, I'm at Welsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E underscore Gemma Lee. Um, and that's spelled J E M A. But if you just go online and Google Gemma J E M A L W E two words Gemma Lee, you'll find me. Um, my website's wellsom dot um, And if you would like to learn more about how I kind of teach and guide through coaching with and en- you know ancestral health, Ayurveda, and that approach to the menstrual cycle, um, all the infos on my website for coaching. Or you can join the Well Women Academy, which is my group coaching signature program for menstrual cycles.
0: Amazing. You're my mm. fave. Just Thanks, saying. sis.
1: I love this with you. I love <laughs> chatting with you.
0: You're the best. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today. If you loved this episode or learned something new or you're going to start tongue scraping or you're going to check out your poop in the toilet the n- tomorrow <laughs> when you go. Gemma is here for it so be sure to tag both of us on Instagram to let us know yeah really don't take a photo of your shit
1: and tag us just (laughs) just describe it Uh, you don't have to take a photo of your shit
0: (laughs) I get I get too many of those when I do parasite cleanses with people so yeah I'm like I don't need another poop picture please
1: (gasps) no keep them to yourself I
0: digress (laughs) thanks so much thank you for being here friends and we will see you soon